0: Today we are midway through our series of seven talks from Proverbs and at the start you might recall um, Nigel introduced the series and basically the core of the book is pursue wisdom and uh, he introduced the idea that our lives are a bit like a journey down the street and on one side of the street we've got the woman of wisdom calling to us do this don't do that be wise. And then on the, other side, of the uh, other side of the road, as we make our journey, we've got the foolish, seductive, foolish woman who's calling to us. No, don't do that. Live a different way. And um, when you get to the age of about 20, you realize that life at times can be complicated, confusing, full of choices and we get these mixed messages coming to us. We're not quite sure what direction to take in life. And uh, without a lot of help, most of us make lots of mistakes. Well, the good news today is that there's help for our lives journey from the book of Proverbs. God's made it possible for us, each of us, to grow in wisdom. You may uh, recall the context of the book. Israel was flourishing at the time. Israel was in a very strong, prosperous place. Solomon was the king and he was a bit concerned that they might lose this good place where they were at. And so he wrote the book of Proverbs. So God gives us this book both to help us stay in a good place, but also to help us grow into an even more mature, better, wise Christian life. Christians are changed from sinners to saints, but we're also meant to become less foolish and more wise. And I've always liked the proverbs. I like the fact that a proverb is a word for a situation. Proverb. That's what that word means. A word for a situation. And these are earthy, pithy, memorable little sound bites that remind us how life works best. They can be funny. They can fit into practically any culture. Now, not all proverbs are biblical. One of my favorite proverbs is a Chinese proverb, which goes something like this. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And I found that helpful when I've got a big task ahead of me. Just got to start. Some proverbs might be unique to your family. I wonder if this rings a bell. Put the lid down when you're finished Lift the seat up before you go. Those are little proverbs that help family life work best in the smallest room of the house. My uh, favorite family proverb at the moment comes from the fount of modern knowledge and wisdom, Shrek. It's better out than in. So whenever a member of our family has a hacking cough or a tummy button, it's not long before someone says, it's better out than in. And as you read through the proverbs this month of August, I encourage you to adopt one or two of them as your favourites. As pithy, memorable sayings that will help you in your life's journey. My favourite biblical proverb is Proverbs 6, verse 6. And it goes like this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And I just like that proverb because I like the word sluggard. And God has um, spoken to me about ants during my life. And uh, have you noticed that ants are a bit cool, a bit tough little chaps? You know, an ant is, so I'm told, a hundred times stronger than an elephant pound for pound. Have you noticed that ants are often on their guard? And if you kick over an ant's nest, it just boils over straight away, doesn't it? Have you noticed that ants work in teams? So the uh, the leafcutter ants, you can go and see these guys at Marwell Zoo. They're amazing. They come in all different shapes and sizes, but together as a con- 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 colony, they, they do an amazing job. You've got the big, strong soldier ants guarding the nest. You've got the queen ant, then you've got the little tiny workers and so on. They do a fantastic job together as a team. And that says to me, Tim, you can play your part in a team with your unique little gifts. Actually, you can get a lot done as part of a team. So ants, consider the ant and be wise. That's my favorite proverb. And I just encourage you again, during this month as you read Proverbs, why don't you um, choose one or two favorites for yourself? You might recall as well when Nigel introduced the Proverbs, he encouraged us to pursue wisdom in three ways. Number one, go to God. Number two, go to his book, the Bible. And number three... Go to others. And as I share some thoughts from Proverbs this morning, I encourage you to go to God in your thinking. Have a listen to him and see what might be applicable for you and talk to him. And then maybe at the uh, the end, you might want to go to another and chat to them about what's on your heart, what's happening in your life today. Maybe get some prayer. Paul writes for us in 1 Corinthians that Christ is our wisdom. He has become for us wisdom from God. And in Luke 11 we read that one greater than Solomon had come, Jesus. So as we learn some wisdom from Proverbs, we should also use it to turn our ultimate attention to Jesus and towards our great helper, the Holy Spirit. So during this seven weeks, have a think about your journey. Have a think about the woman of wisdom calling to you. And if you hear her speaking to you, you know, say, yes, Lord, I hear you. Please help me. To which God will say, of course, my grace is freely available for you. So today we come to the next mega theme in our series and its work, the subject of work. And what Proverbs says to us today, three things. Number one. Work hard number two work with initiative and number three work with diligence. Okay, number one. Proverbs cause us to work hard. twenty eight nineteen He who works his land shall have plenty of bread. As a door turns on its hinges, slow so a sluggard turns on his bed. Proverbs 6. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief. We've just had a magical moment, the annual magical moment, in the fields that back onto our house. We live in North Winchester. We've got some fields right next to us. And we've just had the magical day that we wait for all year when harvest happens and the big combine harvester appears at the bottom of our fence and that's the magical moment we've been waiting for it for ages and I'm always impressed each year how incredibly hard the farmers work on that day they bring their lunch with them they don't stop they turn up at 6 or 5 in the morning and they just work straight through until it's gone dusk even in the evening they work at night they just work incredibly hard and that speaks to me The Bible teaches us that our work is the sum of all that we do. It's our physical work with our bodies. It's our mental work with our minds, our problem solving. It's our emotional work in our relationships. It's our spiritual work in our prayer and our worship. It's all that we do. It's not just our nine to five job. It's your praying as a grandparent. It's your nappy changing as a mum. It's running dad's taxi service. It's your volunteering on a Sunday as part of a team. It's your charity work. It's all that you do. That's what the Bible says about our work. Look at the wife of noble character. She's quite intimidating, this woman. Proverbs 31. She works vigorously with eager hands. It's very practical. She works hard. She gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She does charitable work. She opens her arms to the poor. She extends her hands to the needy. Verse 20. Verse 16, she does a bit of business on the side. She considers a field and buys it. Out of all of her earnings, she, she, she plants a vineyard. So the Bible's idea of work is all that we do. And hard work is commended in the New Testament. If you think about it, Jesus worked hard. As a boy, he learned the scriptures. Then he said later in his life, my father's always at work. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent us. You sent me. Paul the Apostle is strong on hard work. Listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. Hold them in the highest regard because of their work. Warn those who are idle. Bill Hybels has written a helpful book on proverbs. And he talks about the disease of selective sluggardliness. And uh, he, just, he, he sort of puts, paints pictures of one or two people. So imagine the businessman sitting on the, on the train from Winchester to London. And he's, he's fantastically gifted at his work. He's very successful. He makes a packet every year in annual bonuses. He's got a, a wife and four kids. So he looks after them pretty well. And uh, on the outside, he looks pretty good, except that he's pretty overweight. He drinks too much alcohol. His blood pressure's through the roof. And actually, he's at quite... Risk of having a heart attack or a stroke, so he's a bit sluggardly as far as his physical health's concerned. Sitting next to him on the train is a cool, fit young guy, also in a three, three-piece suit. Looks very fit. He's got very toned six-pack here. He's, he's, you know, he's also very successful up in London. He earns a packet. The trouble with this guy is that when he's not at work, he's at the gym, and uh, he actually is not really giving enough time to his wife and his kids. And he's a bit selectively, sluggardly, as far as his marriage and being a dad. Then there is the student who wants to be a BNOC, B-N-O-C, a big name on campus. And so she is, she is great socially, she's great on the sports field, she spends a lot of time doing that. But she's cruising towards a third class degree, she's not really studying very well. That's her area. Or well, lastly, there might be the, the, uh, the smiley, lovely housewife who's, who's a brilliant wife. She's a brilliant mum. She's, she's a great neighbour. She's always helping people around. Her house is immaculate, not a speck of dust anyway. If you open a cupboard, it's all beautifully in order. But actually, she's not really reading her Bible or praying. She is selectively, sluggardly in another area. And uh, we need to deal with those areas. Paul says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Now, talking of our devotional lives, I just want to go off on a very quick tangent. Nigel said, pursue wisdom, go to God, go to his word, go to others. Let me show you a bit of wisdom that I learned from another, who's my dad, who's the most godly man I know. My dad uh, was a church leader, and as such, I I smiled to myself, he had loads of time for his quiet time. So every morning he'd have a good hour praying, reading the Bible, um, lots of time. And uh, he used to look at me in my busy working life, and he came to me one day and he says, Tim, just a little bit of advice for you as far as your devotional life. And it stood me in good stead for decades. He said, well, when you're trying to read the Bible, don't necessarily think you've got to read the Bible every day in a year. I've never really managed that. I'm more the guy who has the cereal open, the Bible next to him, a quick five or ten minutes in the morning, and I'm off. And he said, why don't you just try in your Bible study to uh, just read, I don't know, ten verses from a gospel and one chapter from a psalm or one chapter from Proverbs. And just take one verse from a psalm, one verse from a proverb with you into the day. And I've done that for years. And um, I think about this as splash and dash fuel. I don't know if you've ever seen any uh, Formula 1 races, but these pit stops that they have are just incredible. You see the guys whizzing out of uh, the, the track onto into the pit lane, and they stop for between 5 and 10 seconds. And in that 5 and 10 seconds, the wheels are changed. They used to have a top-up of fuel, and they might get their visor wiped, so all the fog and grit, that, that the oil that they picked up on the last lap gets wiped off. And they're off again. Splash and dash. And I think that sort of Bible reading is really good. And for some of us, a bit of splash and dash Bible study is great. It's super if we can have an extra long one at the weekend when we're not having to rush out the door. But that's a little bit of advice I share from my dad to you that has really helped me uh, in my busy working life. Back to the subject of hard work. Just to make an important point, we don't work hard. The Bible doesn't call, call us to work hard because we're trying to impress God or get approved by God or prove ourselves to him or prove ourselves to someone else or prove ourselves even to ourselves. We work hard because we're in a place of being loved by him, approved by him already. And actually out of a response to that, we want to use those God-given gifts to the full. And uh, in my work, I come across people at all stages in their life, but a lot of people who are near retirement or who have retired. And I always think it's a bit of a good sign when I see an old, a farmer come up with gnarled, leathery hands. And he's been working hard in the fields all his life. And you just see the evidence of it on his body. Or a psychiatrist who comes in with furrowed brows, slightly haunted look, and actually, they've just that person has just been helping people in terrible need for all his life, and it's got him a bit. And I just think that's good. It's a sign of a life given to hard work. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And let me ask you this question this morning. I'm just going to pause for a few seconds afterwards. Do you work hard in your work? And what stops you working hard? Maybe uh, you haven't got a job and you wish you had one. Or it's an illness or a disability that holds you back or a bad habit. Well, there's help for those of us who feel a bit tired today. You have a bit of selective <laughs> sluggardliness. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 1.29. I'm working so hard day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy God so generously gives me. So wisdom calls number one today. Work hard. Number two, take initiative in your work. Now some of the Proverbs talk about seasons or moments in time when it's right to work. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. But he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. That speaks of having the right priorities, the right balance in life. Taking initiative is spotting what needs to be done and then doing it. It's like the farmer spotting when the field is ready to harvest. And and Pip and I would look out of our back fence and we'd see the uh, the farmer come and go. And uh, we'd be saying to each other, Looks ready to me. And he'd come and he'd have a look and he'd get back on his tractor or his car and he'd go away again. Sometimes we've got to be patient, wait for the right moment, and then when it comes... We've got to go for it and roll up our sleeves. If you think about it, more than anything else, Jesus took initiative. He saw our need. He did something. He came down from heaven, did something about it. He took initiative. There were times, too, when he just had to wait. He was asked, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? He said, no, no, my time's not yet come. And then later on in his life, he said, now. Now is the time for the son of man to be glorified and he set his face like flint and went off to Jerusalem to the cross sometimes patient waiting but when the time is right we should take initiative and go for it so what holds you back from taking initiative in your work is it an irrational fear Proverbs 26:13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. It's too risky to get off my sofa. Might get my head bitten off. And will the lion really bite your head off? You know, I imagine in Solomon's day, there were some lions, but they were probably in the rural areas. They probably very rarely came into the town. And then there was probably very unlikely that a particular lion would come and bite your head off. But the sluggard says, there's a lion out there. Now, we all battle fear, passivity, unbelief at times. Sometimes we like to just put things off and keep comfortable on the sofa. And if you're a, a parent of a teenage kid, I'm sure you've heard the word, later. Love, would you tidy your room? Later. You can do your homework? Later. Later. You're going to get up a bit later. And sometimes that teenage word can creep into our adult vocab and our adult thinking. And we just think, well, I'll, you know, I'll deal with my money problems later. I'll stop playing the field when I'm married. I'll stop looking at that when I'm married. I'll start giving to the poor when I've got more money and I've won the lottery later. Taking initiative is not to leave a trail of missed opportunities behind us. Spotting what needs to be done and doing it. Seize the day, go for it, do it, says the woman of wisdom. And Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your inner being. And one of the fruits of of, of the the Holy Spirit is self-control, control control of self. And Paul's praying for the Ephesians that God would strengthen them in the fiber of their decision-making, their ability to do something, to do it, to strengthen the inner man. And God's grace is there for us today. Wisdom says, do it, seize the day, Tim, go for it. Foolishness says, later, don't bother, take it easy on the sofa. Number three, work with diligence. Hard work initiative are not enough. Wisdom calls us to be diligent. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. So diligence implies careful attention. So again, this is the farmer and I've seen him do this. this. He comes along in his tractor and he actually gets off his tractor and he goes down to ground level and he takes a kernel of barley and he rubs it in his fingers. Sometimes he puts it in his mouth. Is it actually ready to harvest? It requires diligence in his work. For us, this is care with our hands. It's the electrician connecting the right wire. It's the musician with her fingers. It's the artist with his brush. It's care with our ears. It's the teacher listening carefully to the child in front of them. It's the mum listening carefully to the child who's come home from school. It's the doctor listening to a patient, a counsellor, her client. It's a grandparent with his grandchild. It's care with our words. Dominic Cole reminded us about that a couple of weeks ago. Care that we say the right thing or don't say the wrong thing. It's care with our hearts, protecting our emotional and physical health. Above all else, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And again, uh, ringing the praises of my dad, I'm amazed at his particular skill and discipline in listening to people. I've seen it all his life, whether it's on the phone or face-to-face, he's got the ability to listen and listen and listen. He, he takes seriously the person in front of him, looks him in the eye, stops other things, doesn't get distracted, distracted, but he's been diligent with his relationships. So, Work hard, work with initiative, work with diligence. I wonder if that leaves you thinking, how is this possible? How can I be more like Jesus in my work? I mean, how can I really change? How is this not just a nice idea, a religious concept? How can I really change So that I actually have the definite ability to work harder, to take initiative when I know I should, and to be more careful in my work. Well, we overcome in life, we become more like Jesus, not primarily by doing better, by being better, by our own efforts, but by receiving more of God's grace. I think Paul sums it up in Romans five seventeen. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace reign in life? And I wonder, as uh, I've shared one or two thoughts today, what grace you need from God for your working life today. And I was thrilled to come across this proverb as we finish. Proverbs 4, verse 9. Wisdom will set a garland of grace on your head. I mean, wow. And today, God wants to give each of us a garland of grace for our work. Let's just be quiet for a moment. As we were praying before the service... Um, and we come into a ministry time we can start by thinking of maybe two groups of people who might want to receive that garland of grace today firstly can I suggest that anyone who is over 65 we'd just love to bless you we'd love to say thank you for being over 65 thank you for being a source of wisdom for us it's partly just recognising Brian and what Brian stands for, who he is, and how us youngies so need some older, wise folks around us to learn learn about life. So if you're over 65 and you'd like a prayer of blessing from the rest of the church family today, we'd love to pray for you. Number one. Number two, something that God has said a few times uh, today and before today, is I think some of us are a bit like the racing driver whose visor has got a bit fogged up. And we need that wiped down today. We need to see a little bit more clearly about what God wants to do in our working lives, how we can work with him better. That fogginess to be wiped away. I think some of us might feel, well, that sounds good. Yes, I'd like to work harder. I'd like to have more initiative. I'd like to be more diligent in my work, but I'm just not quite sure how to get there. I can't see what I'm supposed to do. I sense God may have other things for me to do in life, but I just can't see them. And if you're one of those people today, um, I would just like to pray as we finish. And Brian, would you come and please uh, lead our ministry time? Um, I would just like to pray this prayer for you. It's Ephesians 117, and it talks about God giving us his spirit, his grace, so that we would know, it's a spirit of revelation, this is spiritual revelation, that God would give us that so that we would know the hope to which he's called us. And Paul kept praying this for the Ephesians. It wasn't like, oh, you've got it, don't need it anymore. Actually, we all need this. But as, as I pray this, please open yourselves up to the Holy Spirit and ask him, if you're one of those people with the foggy visor, to wipe it. For this reason, Ephesians 1.15, ever since I heard about your faith in Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's the prayer. I keep asking That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you.
1: Thank you, Tim, so much. Um, Tim shared a number of things. Uh, I felt the Lord giving one or two others as well. Um, I think for some of us there may be people we need to forgive at work, and that's what's preventing us um, uh, working uh, as, we, as we know we would like to and as we, as we know the Lord would like us to. So if that's an issue for, for you, do please uh, come forward. And I felt also that um, there are one or two, uh, two of us who uh, the enemy is, in our work situation, uh, the enemy is at work preventing us fulfilling what God wants us to do. Uh, And we may not have seen that it actually comes from the enemy. It's not just there by chance. And uh, if, as I say that, the Lord is um, uh, mentioning things to you, um, then uh, we'd love to pray with you over that. Also for the, any fresh empowering you'd, love to, uh, you, you'd like for your work. Or if you'd like healing or any other reason at all, let's come forward. So if, if I can invite um, those who are going to pray for people, if you'd like, I invite you forward. And then those uh, who would like some prayer, would you like to come forward as well? And if I could get the, um, the band as well to um, come and, come and uh, play, that would be good. So just come and respond to the Lord as, uh, as he's spoken. Thank you, Father. Okay, why don't we just um, stand and uh, sing one last song? It'll make it um, just freer for people to respond. We'd love to pray for anything uh, over and above uh, what uh, Tim and I have mentioned, um, if you would like that this morning. just encourage you to receive uh, the Lord's grace and his power uh, as you would like to.
2: No